You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Voluntary Vixens Podcast. This is Maddie, one of your co-hosts, joined as usual by Jesse. Hey, everybody. (laughs) And uh, today, or tonight, whenever you're tuning in, uh, we are joined by one of our guys behind the scenes. And, you know, we wouldn't be here without his hard work and all the effort he puts into getting even sometimes the worst (laughs) and spottiest and... (laughs) god-awful um bits of our garbled audio together into a more masterfully sounding um thing for you to listen to whether you're on a walk in the car on at work trying to tune out all the crazies and yeah so big thanks to ryan generally and for joining us here tonight um aka uh techno agorist howdy thanks for having me on I also actually maybe should get the record straight. Is it agorist or is it agorist? Because I tend to read things in a very different way phonetically than other people do sometimes, and I've heard both. (laughs) (laughs) It all depends on how seriously you take yourself. Okay. You know, if you take yourself very seriously, you're an agorist, (laughs) you know, but if you're just a dude who's, you know, (laughs) trying to live agorist, you're an agorist. So I feel like that a lot of it's sense. just perspective. All right. <laughs> well, so I guess um, as a way to sort of start out and, you know, some of our listeners may have listened to you before. I, they've probably caught you on our show before. They may have followed your uh, podcast and your um, I know you're somewhat active on Twitter, like when you post things um, from your account. But you've been on a little bit of a recording hiatus or at least very much slowed down for, uh, quite some time. And so just as like a, a way to kind of reintroduce like who you are, what show you produce and put out and, um, sort of what that all is about. All right. My name is Ryan and I'm an agorist. Uh, yeah, recorded a bunch of my shows back in the day, but then we COVID hit and everything got crazy, and we were living in the third largest uh, city in Pennsylvania, downtown. And suddenly the city, Mm. while it was nice, you know, at one point, being able to step out of your house and walk to the coffee shop or walk to the grocery store, like everything you wanted seemingly just in walking distance. That's pretty darn cool. But as soon as COVID hit, it just felt like a straitjacket, you know? Nothing, the convenience, nothing meant anything anymore. It was just, it's like everybody's watching me. And all the stores are all following the rules. And in the city, of course, the rules were 10 times more than anywhere else. And yeah, it was a disaster. So we packed up and we moved down to Florida. So thankfully, we were able to sell our uh, home in Allentown, move down here, buy multiple acres and put a big, nice house on it for a manufactured home for uh, not even much more than we sold our house for in Allentown. So. Or enjoy living deep in the forest now. I love it. Like, aren't you actually in a, or next to maybe a national forest? Yeah, we're in the Ocala National Forest. Um, You have to drive through, you know, 20 minutes of forest to get into the part that we're at. (laughs) So if you go off the front of our property, you're in the national forest. and You could just keep walking. And if you go out the back of our property, there's a lake. And the lake is completely surrounded by private property. So, yeah, you don't just have randos at the pool or at the lake, you know, it's just just the neighbors. <laughs> yeah. Alligators, maybe. You bet. <laughs> yeah. It's been a while since people have seen alligators there, but everyone knows they're there and they have seen them before. So I want to put some, uh, you know, night vision cameras out and watch at night because they come out to feed at night. That's when they come out of the water. 
So would love to set those up and see what we actually have down there. Yeah. No, I feel like that'd be interesting, but also a little bit scary. But, you know, just <laughs> you go to Florida and you're it basically, I mean, I would assume you're basically in alligator land. And so um, you guys knew what you signed up for. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we have everything, you know, out here you have alligators, you have bears, you oh, know, geez. you also have the nice stuff, the, the, the pretty little deer flitting around, you know, getting into your garden. But, um. You know, anything dies and you have hordes of vultures all around and go outside and there's bugs. So many crazy bugs everywhere. Big old bugs, you know, like stick bugs, you know, four times the size of normal stick bugs and spiders four times the size of normal spiders. And oh, yeah, biting ants everywhere you go. It's, it's an adventure. But, you know, yeah. I mean, it's we love it. It's like uh, a lot of stuff that seemed to have survived from the dinosaur, like prehistoric ages. <laughs> yeah, it survived in Florida. Makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, it's great. We There's a lot of good reasons to live here. Yeah. And so, like, you know, I live in a crap state, um, like the state you escaped from, Pennsylvania. I live in Maryland. Um, so it's not really favorable for people like me um, or us, generally. And so, like, you know, you obviously moved with your or you voted with your feet and you guys were able to pack up and move and and lucky for you guys you i think like well done on selling while the market was hot getting out of there and like getting land before like we have no idea honestly what's next um but you're in a better place to do it and jesse's at least in tennessee which um is another hot spot for people to move to right now Mm -hmm. um Though Florida does seem like, uh, and I know this is, we're all like voluntarists. We're all like fairly anti-state. We're not looking for a governor or a a savior um, in the form of a politician. But um, so much of this year and how much freedom you have on like a daily basis and what you can experience has been so tied, so intricately tied to like what these governors are doing. Um, I feel like at least with um, Trump, there was a sense, a little bit more sense of uh, federalism, which, of course, like some losers will, I think, uh, criticize him for. And they wanted a more like top down, like super heavy, overly controlled. And, and I'm not saying like Trump didn't do and enact certain things and, you know, put freaking Fauci in charge. And we, we we've all we all know what that's been like uh, living under those kinds of um, authority figures. But uh, so much of it has been, I think, like with Biden, it's definitely turned more from the federalism like being practiced where it was a little bit more up to each individual state's governor to kind of um, make terrible decisions, but also the freedom to make better decisions, which some have. Um, way to go, Ron DeSantis. Um, but yeah, the it, so it, that all is to say, like, who knows what's coming next, honestly. And, um, but, you know, a few episodes ago, we were talking with, um, a preparedness expert and like, there's things you can do in your own homes and your own current lives and your own present setting. But, um, you know, I hats off to you really for, uh, making such a drastic change. <laughs> well, you're breaking up there a little bit, probably just cause of my internet out here in the woods. But I got the gist of what you're saying. You know, I consider it the grace of God that we're able to get out here. We did. We got out at the very best time of the market there in Pennsylvania. And we got here right before everything went crazy. Mm -hmm. Because as of now, you can't find anywhere to rent because all these people are moving to Florida. Uh, The house we bought now costs over $50,000 more than when we bought it a year ago. The lead time when we bought this house was 90 days. The lead time now starts at 18 months. Like, wow. It's just a complete, completely different world. We were the last person to buy uh, from the from the dealer that we bought our house from. We were the last people to buy before the prices went up. Other people actually bought after us. And then the manufacturer said, hey, by the way, these now cost us much more. And people had already signed the paperwork. And they were oh, stuck because they didn't have uh oh, they didn't wow. have the money. I mean because of course they they signed the paperwork 
then the dealer gets the money. They give it to the manufacturer to build the house. <laughs> but if in that little tiny window, those couple days there, if they raise prices, you're in trouble. And um, yeah, <laughs> we're very thankful that we were able to get in when we did. Wow. Now, we had looked at a lot of places in the U.S. We spent we were planning to move before last year happened. Mm -hmm. Just last year, you know, put the fire under us to actually make it happen. But we had looked at so mm -hmm. many different places. I actually have a techno agorist I've written, but I've not recorded yet, called Strategic Relocation. And it's just about the idea of, you know, thinking about where you live, why you live there. And, you know, if that's where really where you want to be when things get worse. Mm -hmm. Because it's, yeah, even now it's bizarre, but I hear people post on social media. You know, they're looking for a new place and it's, oh, what's the school district like? And how close am I to the to a coffee shops and all these other things? And I'm just sitting there yeah. thinking, are those are are we are we, are we still there? Like, is that really like ah? <laughs> For us, it was completely strategic, you know. Like, where the yeah. heck can we best survive? And yeah, Florida has a lot to offer in that sense. Yeah, I was I'm kind of curious, like what you were thinking of, because like me and my husband have thought about moving, which it's really hard to want to move from here because we don't have income taxes. The cost of living is pretty low and we're not far away from Nashville or Atlanta if we want to go to a major airport. So it's kind of a great, a great little place that we have. Um, so I'm just curious, like what you what you were looking at, Ryan, when you were thinking, like what were the criteria that you guys were trying to find? Well, the more normal criteria was, you know, how well can we school our kids? <laughs> so when it comes to homeschool mm -hmm. laws, you know, Texas is obviously by far the best. But I lived in Texas for many years, and I really just didn't want to go back there. <laughs> call me crazy. <laughs> but also last year was a great wake-up call for a lot of the Texans who are like, yeah, we're Texas, we're tough, we're, we're free. And it's like, no, you actually have the biggest globalist, like, governors one after the other after the other at yeah, Texas, their state government mm -hmm. has been a disaster for so long. So, yeah, yep. wasn't interested in there. Looked at Tennessee, but the uh, homeschool laws there were a little bit more than we were wanting. Um, Idaho has some pretty good ones, but Florida, you know, has pretty dark, makes it pretty, pretty easy. You basically, you know, register with your local school district and say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to homeschool. And then at the end of the year, you show a portfolio to somebody and yeah, and it doesn't even have to be someone from the school district. It's just somebody who's, who, you know, teacher and they say, okay, you know, you taught wow. your kids. So it's pretty darn easy. Unlike Pennsylvania, where we were registering, you know, lesson plans and all this other stuff. And this is what Ugh. we learned. And every year we'd take it to the superintendent's office and the secretary would look and go, what, what, why act completely confused, even though we were there every year why what why and we were always worried she'd drop it in the trash or just misplace it you know and then we get in legal trouble <laughs> but you know in florida yeah. it generally there are there are there are situations where the county screws things up like parents have literally have their kids taken from them because even though the mm. rules are so lax the state is the state and when they screw up they screw up bad oh well, yeah but in general it's pretty darn easy to homeschool here but then there's lots of other reasons there's no income tax here in Florida, which means we can keep more of our money. There is no, um, or the cost of living is much lower in Florida than it is where we were living in Pennsylvania. You know, it's generally uh, cheaper to survive. Also, up here, land, we could get a lot more land than we could down there. Also, one of the big ones is, while in Pennsylvania you have one growing season, you know, like four yeah. months. Here you have basically three mm -hmm. growing seasons and you can grow uh, all except one to two months of the year. Like that's pretty, that's pretty cool. So as long as you learn and we're trying to learn the different vegetation that works at different times of the year, what is best to plant when so that we can mm -hmm. kind of plant the right seasonal things. Uh, yeah. yeah. But also where we are, it's just like our neighbor said, he said, you, you really like it out here. And your neighbors will like you as long as you do one thing. Just don't mess with people and nobody will mess with you. 
<laughs> he said we they that they're not interested in government the 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 county people aren't out here very much you know so we just do our thing you put your buildings on your land that you want you get animals do whatever and just live heaven forbid <laughs> yeah right that's all we want to do <laughs> leave us alone <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it is nice living in a place where that is such a strong value. Like the people, yeah, the people out here, that is something they do value. And it's why a lot of them are out here in the first place. They're out here simply because they want to be left alone. <laughs> uh, the neighbor next to us, or off behind on the other side of our land, he's currently building a cabin with woody cuts from his own land. <laughs> uh, he was the one who said, everyone will be happy if you just leave each other alone. But it's fun. Yeah, that's definitely the right attitude. I wish that was more widespread. Yes. <laughs> but when you think about like people who live in major cities, like I think that's why they do want to control other people so bad because they are so dependent on other people. Exactly. And they don't even realize it. Like major cities rely so heavily on supply chains mm -hmm. and they don't realize yes. how much of everything that they have comes from somebody shipping it into them. Whereas people who mm -hmm. like, you know, like you, Ryan, or other people who live like on their own land, they they don't even feel the need to tell people what to do because they just take care of their own needs by themselves. And they don't have time generally, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. Busy people doing busy things. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And that may explain that mentality of because most people who live in major cities, they tend to lean left. They, they tend to vote. Democrat or blue. So um, it makes sense why they really, really want to tell everybody what to do because, you know, if you don't go along with what they want, then it hurts them. Whereas, you know, if we right. live our own lives and somebody chooses to do something different, it like, who cares? Doesn't you know? Affect us. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No one's asking if the neighbor has permits for the trees he's cutting down and the house he's building with his own hands. Yeah, <laughs> right. Just doing his thing. Yeah. Opposed in the city where... Not, not yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. In the city, we had one neighbor who was an ex-cop and the guy would... He would sit at his windows. He was the self-designated neighborhood watch and he would look out the window, you know, to make sure nothing was happening that shouldn't be happening. And one time Jeez. my brother was visiting... And he was going through his early 20s stage that everybody goes, every dude goes through where he grows his hair out long and does the whole hobo <laughs> mm -hmm. thing. So he shows up at our house and a couple days later, the neighbor comes out and says, hey, hey, Ryan, over here. So I go over and he says, I think there's a homeless person living in front of your house. See that dirty car over there? I saw this weird looking dude get out of it yesterday. So, uh, yeah, I was going to call the cops, but I wanted to give you a heads up so you're not, you know concerned when they show up at your house oh, oh my gosh <laughs> i said give me a break man come on <laughs> yeah no thank uh, you don't don't send any cops over here <laughs> we're good <laughs> yep mm. and, and as if like i was gonna say as if like sending the cops over is gonna make anything safer either because that's sometimes that's when things get worse yeah yeah, no, that doesn't help. That's never the answer. <laughs> I mean, seriously. But don't post that on Facebook. I got kicked off of Facebook for three days <laughs> a week oh ago because I someone said, yeah, there's somebody high outside my apartment building and they're they're being an mm. annoyance. So uh, what do you think I should do? Should I go ahead and just call the cops? To which, you know, I've heard I knew stories now in town and other places where the cops show up and the person's, you know, resisting or they're not doing what they have, what they say because they're high, you know, get down, do this. Mm -hmm. you know? And then, huh, what you talking about? And they get shot up. So I said, just to let you know, they might kill the person. So just, you know, be warned. <laughs> you probably don't want that on your conscience. And Facebook blocked me and said that I was inciting violence. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Heaven forbid. What? You warn somebody against calling the cops on somebody. Yep. But if I had said, definitely call those, call the cops on him, you know, Facebook would have been fine with that. <laughs> but then like also, what a, weird what a weird posture since Facebook is very much like when it's convenient and when it's like politically or yeah. 
culturally um, accepted or, you know, when there's a wave of BLM movements or, you know, any of that attitude sweeping the nation again, um, as it comes in waves, it seems like whenever it kind of needs to distract from something else, you know, depending on the week or depending on the month, you know, that comment of yours would have been applauded. (laughs) True. It, It makes no sense. But of course, yeah. There will be the whistleblower showing up on the news to <laughs> expose to the world that Facebook needs to censor more. Yeah, actually. <laughs> Even while they're kicking us off every single day. Right, right. <laughs> so I completely missed, like, okay, so, like, I'm not always as on top of, like, the news, and especially, like, if it's on a mainstream channel, but correct me if I'm wrong, the quote-unquote Facebook whistleblower was on 60 Minutes. It was yes. one of the mainstream media evening primetime things. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I I automatically like discredited a tiny bit. Like I, I can't take right. that seriously. There's no way they're putting anything informative or helpful or actually trying to expose um, corruption on something like 60 right. Minutes. At least not this day and age. Maybe once upon a time, but. Well, Glenn Greenwald, you know. Put it well, you know, he was the one who said, hey, if you're if you're really a whistleblower, they'll treat you the way they treated, you know, Assange and the way they treated Manning and Edward Snowden, Mm -hmm. you know. But if you're uh, if they treat you like they're treating that Facebook whistleblower, like it's a it's an agenda. (laughs) Yep. Clearly an agenda item. So, yeah. If anybody listening now, like wasn't already kind of aware of that, uh, you know, don't. Don't be surprised if uh, we see something like <laughs> not positive coming from that and that it did what it was supposed to do. And um, yeah, really play to the boomers that still watch <laughs> the corporate press, um, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and that are like, I know you just said you were on Facebook. I'm technically on Facebook as well. I'm just like 0% active there. Um, but Facebook is like... Good for you. Boomerville. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, I think uh, we know what audience they were trying to uh, tap into there. Um, So, Ryan, since you are a man of many hats um, and you can, you know, choose to share as as much as you want to. But I know, like, as part of, like, your both persona in Technoagorist, but also, like, your actual day-to-day life and job, you're doing a lot of, like, truly cutting-edge like cool stuff that um like in the crypto realm I think that like is totally over my head and I really don't understand it whatsoever and I'm so um like illiterate on that subject but um I think it's just another example of like how like you're seeking freedom and finding freedom and giving maybe people tools for achieving said freedom but um kind of wanted to ask you about that hmm well, yeah, one of the biggest white pills in the world today is technology, especially the cryptocurrency space. Like, the technology that's being developed there is so far beyond anything that regular people imagine. It's so far beyond anything that people in business or government were imagining a few years ago. You know, it was a number of people who at the beginning yeah. said, whoa, let's, you know, let's revolutionize money, basically. Let's provide a way that you can send people, send someone anywhere in the world instantly, send them money, <laughs> okay? Just, and have it person to person, no middleman mm-hmm. whatsoever, and have it 100% secure so that it can't be intercepted, undone, or anything, you know? Like, that was incredible in and of itself, because no one else was trying to solve that. Banks... It takes mm-hmm. them many multiple days, if not a week, to close any transaction. They trick you into thinking that it happens instantaneously. You know, they put it in your in your bank account, but you know that everyone knows that stuff doesn't clear for a few days, and you have to rely on them all the way. And they can spend your money while it's sitting in there in their institution. Of course, that's what banks do. That's how they yeah. make all their money by taking and spending your money, and then mm-hmm. keeping itty bitty tiny bit inside their. Uh, yeah, actually there. So it's all numbers today, so it doesn't even seem to matter. But crypto actually took the power away from the banks, took the power away from government, gave it right to you and said, hey, guess what? I can send money to anybody anywhere in the world instantly, which was cool. 
And then another generation came by and said, that's really cool. What if we use the same ledger technology that we use to send money all over the world and we instead use it to build a great big state machine so we could build a worldwide decentralized computer and every single person who runs you know, this cryptocurrency on their machine is actually computing and doing actual work. So you could build actual software applications, you know, using a decentralized worldwide computer. Like most people don't even realize that these things exist, but the Ethereum network, Ethereum's not a cryptocurrency. The Ethereum network is a worldwide computer, completely decentralized, mm. all right? And you, there's a whole programming language and everything. The actual blockchain is the current state, just like your computer has memory, you know, as, you, as you're doing stuff. The blockchain is the computer's, you know, memory. Like, it's incredible. Then you have other people who are saying, what if we took the best of this and took the best of this over here and merged those together? And then other people saying, ooh, we need to reduce CO2 emissions. So why don't we try and make this part of the software more uh, more, um, what's the word efficient, mm -hmm. you know, and someone else says, Oh, actually I have an even better idea. So than these people, so the crypto space is this wild and crazy, um, tree of, of innovation as all these different people, yet as many opinions as there are in the world, there's that many people working on different pieces of crypto, you know, right now, taking it in all these different directions. Which is so funny because you don't see that. In the, anytime you hear about cryptocurrencies, all you hear about is Bitcoin. You don't hear about, you know, like, oh, what's the price of Bitcoin? Come on. There's a billion more interesting things happening in crypto than the price of Bitcoin. You know? But, yeah. Really cool things are happening. And it's stuff that you could never have imagined a few years ago. But because it's the it's the only free market in the world today, really, is the, is the crypto space. Yeah. Nothing comes close. Yeah, but because you have so many crazy people working together on this stuff, uh, in an actual free market, the innovation is beyond anything you could possibly imagine. And one of the cool things that I get to do is I work with multiple projects who's, who their goal is to provide interchain services basically to where you basically abstract away the chain so um for example cryptocurrencies you could pay for a good or service but the person you're paying doesn't have to care what kind of cryptocurrency you have to offer and you don't have to care what kind of cryptocurrency they want to accept you know because all the others all the plumbing happens in the background that makes those differences not mean anything anymore and all sorts of uh Cool stuff like that. Also things like, you know, cryptocurrency services as a service. Like like you have Amazon Web Services where the majority of the internet is hosted these days. You know, imagine mm -hmm. having crypto as a service where blockchains provide these same services. So, yeah, cool stuff. Gets me excited. But that is my primary uh, source of income right now is working with some pretty incredible projects on some of the most innovative, cool stuff I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's almost like people would maybe equate it to, or call it, and um, not in a positive way, but uh, the wild, wild west, right? Like this completely free market. And um, it, it scares some people, I know, to be that free and innovative. But um, it's funny that you mentioned even the uh, somebody's, somebody's on it on it and like has the idea that oh okay maybe we should reduce carbon emissions um because you know that was a, a hot topic headline point talking point like just a few months ago oh crypto like it's so bad for the environment like okay like is that really our criticism like it, it's not we're let's <laughs> let's be adults here um but and, that's what's but so it's being cool addressed. about the free market Mm -hmm. Yeah, the thing about the free market is it harnesses everybody's energies for positive good. It's you know? beautiful. So in this case, whether it's for to reduce carbon emissions or whether it's just to allow me, because I have a laptop that I want to run this, this blockchain on and I just want it to work on that old laptop, whatever your motivation is for making it more efficient, you know? By working and taking your your little your little kingdom, your little piece of the crypto space that you're working on and making it better, everybody can
can learn from that. Everybody can take good stuff from that. So that's, it's awesome. It's great. That's what happens in a free market, you know? If you can't force, if the Bitcoin people can't force, you know, their vision on everybody, then, right. yeah, that's, everything's, it's free. It's good, you know? But mm -hmm. in the outside of the crypto space, it's always the bigger ones, you know, dictating down upon everybody else what they're going to do or governments mm -hmm. or whoever. Yeah, and that's when it, that's where the innovation gets killed because everybody has to sort of conform to that that idea or that belief system so that they can, you know, all be on the same page basically. So if you want everybody to be on the same page, somebody's going to have to be quiet, sacrifice their own their own viewpoint just so that they can all move together. And this is yep. I like what you're saying is that everybody's kind of creating their own thing and they see a problem and they fix it their own way. So there's so many more options. Exactly. And then other people look at how they solve that problem and they go, Oh, that's cool. I could do that better. Yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. have generation after generation after generation getting better and changing and get and growing in different ways and becoming things that nobody could have ever imagined beforehand, you know? Right. But so many people, when they talk about the crypto space, like I just had a guy asking last week, he's like, so what do you what do you think about Bitcoin or which is the cryptocurrency that, you know, that that the world's going to accept? To which <laughs> my first response is you're missing the point. It's right. not about one monolithic thing. That's just this is it. That's what governments do. They choose a winner and then there's everyone just conforms to that thing. In a free market, you don't have that. In a free market, like before government forced money on people, there was gold and there was silver and there were other things. And there were banknotes that pointed to what they had in their reserves. Like, it was it was freedom. Heaven mm -hmm. forbid. I mean, imagine that. You know, that's the way it is in the crypto space. It's free unless some outside force steps in in order to force conformity. There is always going to be tons of options available and there isn't going to be this is the one that everybody uses, even though, sure, Bitcoin, whatever. If ever, if a lot of people want to use Bitcoin or, you know, there's better options these days like Bitcoin Cash or Dash or, you know, all sorts of other things out there, then great. Or even better down the road when the tools like the things that I get to work with others on, you know, these interchain type services where eventually nobody cares what cryptocurrency is actually in the back end. You know, just like when you're on the internet, you will load a website. You don't care what kind of server they're running. You know, you don't care what the back end looks like. All you want, yeah, all you want is to to see a web page. Like we're moving very quickly toward a future where that's crypto, where crypto is something that has the cryptocurrency, all that stuff happens at the blockchain stuff happens in the background and you don't have to care. You just show up and say, I want to, I want to buy this thing and you got it. Or I want to do this other thing, whatever. It doesn't have to be money, obviously, but yeah, yeah, it's a very, very exciting space. Um, I've got a um, you know, novice question, and um, but it's something that I imagine you guys, especially like you and others in your field, and people who are producing this sort of technology and solving these problems and coming up with these solutions for all of us, really. Um, you know, so uh, quick thank you for uh, doing so, but um. Okay, so my concern, and this might be equatable to, um, all right, so who would build the roads? So how do we <laughs> trade the Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency without the internet? And it, like, is that just a, a super dumb question? Like, even if what we know is the internet now is down, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be permanently down and or like, I don't know, I guess... We may be, we may have worse problems on our hand if we don't have like massive um, electric power structures like running. Like if the grid is totally uh, disrupted in some way, and we're still right. um, on the grid. Uh, most of us are on the grid, um, not off the grid. So, um, okay. So, like, how would you answer my uh, probably dumb question? No, that's an excellent question. And that's the kind of thing people rarely get to that point. Or 
they get to that point and they slam it down on the table and say, there you go, this is why it wouldn't work. Okay? <laughs> but, you know, first let me tell you, you don't have your money. I mean, right now, obviously. It's sitting inside of a bank. Yep. A bank has your money. A bank will always have your money. Yep. <laughs> so you don't actually see your money unless you keep it all in cash. Okay, so we're not, crypto is no uh, less than the bank at that point. <laughs> but you do, True. unlike the bank, you can sell your money, your crypto, it's yours. And it doesn't matter whether you have the internet or not. You still mm -hmm. own that coin. You still own what you own. And nobody can take that from you unless they take your private key from you. So, which, mm -hmm. if it's in your mind, then they have to get it out of there. Or if it's on your computer, then they have to have to steal your hardware and get your passwords and get in there, whatever. Mm -hmm. But also, other people counter with, well, gold and silver, you see? But, I mean, you're not using gold and silver in daily transactions. I mean, you're not showing up to the grocery store with gold and silver. You have a gold coin, it's like 2000 bucks or something. I mean, you're not paying for your groceries with that. What are you going to do? Bring gold dust with you and they'll have scales at, at Walmart? Yeah, exactly. As, as they're measuring out the weight in order to be your $25 for the few things mm -hmm. you grabbed while you were there. Like, that's just not reasonable. That's not going to happen. Um, and even then, most of the people who carry or who have gold these days, they keep it off site. They don't even keep it at their homes. You know, they have the gold like warehouses and then they get like gold debit cards and then their card when they spend their money. Exactly. That's what Peter Schiff and others. They're like, you need a hedge against the dollar. So get gold. But you don't actually have the gold. It's just sitting there. And you know what happened with his dad. I mean, the feds will show up when they're ready. They'll smash down the doors and they'll steal that gold and this. And guess what? Your money's gone. <laughs> so, I mean, in terms of comparisons, you know, comparing crypto to what's around us today, it is no less safe than anything that exists today. Mm -hmm. And I would make the case that it is more safe just because no matter what happens in terms of technology, you still control your own coin. It's still yours. Now, as for how you would actually trade without internet, mm -hmm. that, is a, that is an issue. If there was no such thing as a worldwide internet, if there's no such thing as a worldwide network that we could you know, transact this stuff on, then yeah, you would be pretty darn dead in the water. But the cool thing about, you know, many of these cryptocurrencies, any of these cryptocurrencies, is they don't have to be on the, the World Wide Web. Like mm. there are, you could, they could work across many types of networks. And given the right constraints, they could be designed to work across alternate networks. Who knows in the future if there will be crypto shared over, you know, Bluetooth, LE, Go, mesh mm. networks, or who knows? Um, but the constraints, right? Those aren't the constraints right now. Yeah. You know, currently we do have a worldwide network, so that's the platform that's being developed on. Mm -hmm. uh, innovation happens when you get squeezed. Yeah. You know, so if the internet started disappearing and suddenly people had to find ways around it, then well, guess what they would. Now, one of the cool things is a lot of the the, well, the World Wide Web itself depends on DNS. It depends on you being able to type a, a word into your address bar and have it take you to a website. But crypto doesn't have to rely on those same things. It all happens person to person and directly. So you don't have the same, uh, the bigger parts of the internet could get knocked out and you'd still be able to connect and still be able to transact and do what you need to do without a lot of that, uh, exi that uh, existing. All you need is basically the network and you can get it to work. And uh, yeah, there's one final point I was going to make, but I can't think of it at the moment. <laughs> Either way, you know, if, uh, oh, and there's also things like Tor, mm -hmm. and there are other oh, yeah. uh, super networks, like networks built on top of the internet itself, which doubly and triply <laughs> encrypt your data and do all sorts of cool stuff. And uh, lots of cryptocurrencies are designed specifically to use these different um, ways of getting on the internet. I mean, I could right now write a program if I wanted to that would open up a Tor socket and then it would start communicating directly over Tor rather than using the clear web. Like the, that tech is already out there. Mm. So as long as the network exists, there will be ways that you can communicate with people, you know? Um, and if the network doesn't exist or starts falling apart, 
Well, then guess what? Suddenly people will care less about CO2 and they'll care more about how do we connect person to person without using the World Wide Web. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As long as crypto stays free, I'm not worried. Is there an end to the internet? Like, is there going to be like a zombie apocalypse that just knocks out all of our, you know what I mean? <laughs> I've always wondered if that would, if that's ever a really a real possibility. Cause when I would watch, when I would watch, um, whatever that show is called, the walking, the walking dead. dead, it didn't seem <laughs> realistic to me because I'm just thinking, you know, you have all that infrastructure already in place. It's just, you know, you have a bunch of zombies around. Yeah. Why, what stops these people from being able to just rebuild? Like, why can't they just have what they had before? Yeah, that's a good question. My biggest concern in that situation would be loss of knowledge or loss of access to it. You know, mm -hmm. you might have a power station, but if you don't have anybody who knows how to run the power station, mm -hmm. who knows how to fix the generator or whatever, then you're screwed. And you might have all the internet in the world, all the knowledge in the world on the internet, but if you don't have somebody who knows how to connect to the internet in that, you know, shit hits the fan scenario, mm -hmm. yeah. then what are you going to do? You know, you don't have access to that even though it's there. So, I mean, there are real concerns in that situation, what would happen. But, I mean, ultimately we can just guess. Like, there's no, you can't say what's going to stay up and what's going to stay down. You can right. look at what's happening in the U.S. as it's just like descending into, into crazy socialist mm -hmm. hell. But at the same time, you look at Europe and we're like two decades behind them. And they haven't collapsed in and on, in on themselves yet. Yeah. I don't, I mean, we could be around the corner from a complete and utter collapse, but more likely we're not. Yeah. Doesn't change the fact that we prepare and we live, you know, as if tomorrow's the end. But there's no need to stop innovation or even slow innovation just because we don't know what would happen if XYZ happened to happen down the road, you know? No, yeah, I would say like that's an argument for allowing. We should be, and of course, we're us three, we're for this, like allowing innovation to remain untarnished and unleashed and, you know, continuing to seek answers to these problems um, as they arise. And, you know, as somebody thinks of one and we can think ahead and kind of like do some degree of preparedness in advance. Um, and I guess almost like just a, and you can tell me what you think of this, but in some ways it sounds like. And again, I'm not an active crypto user, but I really, really should get into it because it seems like having cryptocurrencies is really just like a safer option than having your money in the bank that one like takes your money or the government. Like, look at what's happening just back to like COVID stuff, like um, the Attilus gym owner, um, mm -hmm. all of his fees that and fines that the governor of new jersey has been finding him they've been taking stealing from his bank account from his business bank account just like untold amount of mm -hmm. money and and you know they can't do that if your money's in the form of cryptocurrency i, I guess unless like you said they get your key but you know what to what ends will they go to get that key I, that depends <laughs> a lot. The majority of people who do crypto, unfortunately, they don't actually even keep their keys. Mm. They leave their money on Coinbase or some centralized online server whose only service, who's one letter from the government away from seizing mm. all your funds, you know? So unless you actually control your keys yourself, then um, you're really no better off than if you're keeping your money in the bank. And that's what people keep getting reminded over and over again. You know, one crypto website gets hacked and someone's like, I lost $10 million. Well, why in the world did you trust these people with $10 million of your dollars? That's yeah, no. crazy, man. You know? But I mean, similarly, me. like right there and then, like, why would we trust any banks with like the record they have these days? The banks, unless like you, I don't know, like it would be still a bit of a risk to find a local small business trustworthy bank i mean they're all on the chopping block too just the same way that um all the mom and pop it's a wonderful shops, life ugh, all the mom and pop shops this past year like so many small businesses were crushed and um you know at the uh joy and, and jubilee of the big box stores and you know very like almost like super pseudo governmental um very crony 
quote unquote private businesses. So right. similarly, like it'd be, it honestly be very hard to find um, a small bank that you would actually like maybe have trust in your money. I guess it goes to say that like, you know, people say that it's worth diversifying diversifying your portfolio quote unquote but um you know crypto would be a good way to do that as well like it's like i said it's a safer bank i mean in terms of the tech yes it's it's safer but in terms of thinking it's 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 the the way of thinking about it that's what irks me a little bit you know because people do talk about cryptocurrency in terms of well my portfolio you know, as if it's stocks or something like that. Yeah. And it isn't, you know, for t- cryptocurrencies are money. They're meant to be traded for goods and services back and forth. Like their value comes in the fact in, in what makes them, you know, good. Their, their value comes from the fact that you can instantly exchange value with anybody around the world. The value comes in the fact that you can have it, you know, you don't have to have any middlemen for this to happen. It, the mm-hmm. benefit comes from that you don't have to ask permission in order to have it happen and that it clears instantly like this is cool stuff you know the value is in it being money um so i'm not the kind of person who really cares watching the price go up or down because i'm not you know even though you could say that it's a hedge against inflation and as the dollar goes up you know by default cryptocurrency would go or as the dollar goes down crypto you know by would obviously go up just because the dollar's worthless. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, but that terminology always irks me just a little bit because it's like, eh, you don't invest in crypto. It's it's money. Or or in yeah. the case of the Ethereum network, the cryptocurrency is the fuel that that fuels, that powers, it's the gas. They actually call it gas. <laughs> the gas mm-hmm. that powers the worldwide computer. You know, there's just way more going on there. It's not just a matter of... Uh, I have this and this and this and this and this stock and this stock and this. No, completely different things, you know? And if Mm -hmm. you use cryptocurrency as money, then you don't get disappointed as the price kind of goes up and down and all around, you know? But if you're sitting there thinking of it as as some sort of investment, well, you're going to be probably going to be very disappointed, you know? Or or it could go up and you could Mm -hmm. find yourself a multimillionaire all of a sudden. Okay. I mean, that's, that's the best case scenario, but... I mean, even then, lots of people became millionaires <laughs> one day and then were broke the next. You just never know where this stuff is going. But as long as governments are playing these games and as long as fiat currencies are toyed with nonstop and as long as China and the U.S. government are, are screwing with crypto uh, companies and websites and trying to mm-hmm. legislate protocols, there's always going to be like ups and downs and crazy stuff. Yeah. And I can't remember if you fall into this category or if it was some other folks in our group and, you know, our, our broader network, not just our podcasting network, but like our online community that we found. Um, I remember and like I think it's such an awesome thing that um, like a few folks that I remember hearing one of the ways that they survived or kind of kept out of the red over this past year, like 2020 in particular, with the shutdowns and just how much of a disruption it was to life and business and income um you know i know a lot of people were able to even like it was unfortunate that they had to even do this but like tapped into what they had been growing and building in crypto and used it Mm -hmm. and were able to pay their actual bills like that's a very tangible and like real world example of how it saved people's you know what's like this year um and yeah it's very very real it is it's real money and it can be used as real money. And uh, yeah, it's exciting stuff. Don't believe uh, what the media tells you that there's Bitcoin or nobody or that it's <laughs> everything's dependent on the price of it. The price is the least interesting part of crypto at any time. Right. <laughs> the point yeah. is I could instantly send either of you guys any amount of money, you know, that I have on hand. You know, I could send you, I could pay for a good or a service right now. Mm -hmm. No middleman, no nothing, just bam, done. Mm -hmm. Or I could permanently record a a a, a property transfer between the two of us. You know? Uh, All the the legal things and all the filings and all the Mm -hmm. things you do with Mm -hmm. the government, any of that can be solved by crypto 
um, at base at almost no cost whatsoever, and yet it would be dramatically more open, more uh, secure, you know, more trustworthy. Yeah, right. you know, <laughs> there wouldn't be any room for you know, like there's just so much that that's that you can do, and that's in the crypto space, and that's being done in the crypto space. Like the people who look at price, they just completely miss the point. <laughs> the mm -hmm. only the only thing that's good about the price is the fact that the price going up allows the developers of these cryptocurrencies to have more room to work with to to invest more time and energy into building their products so that's what gets me excited when i hear prices going up of certain things just because it's like all right there we go that means more time more energy more innovation but yeah it's i would never ever suggest to somebody hey you should you know buy up a portfolio of 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 cryptocurrencies you know i mean sure we all keep cryptocurrency <laughs> on hand but i'm not yeah that's that's the wrong way to think about them you know just in terms of like an investment because it's that's not yeah. what they are so again because i'm like a super visual person and since honestly crypto is like so abstract at least to me um like it just happens to be this digital currency like you said um you know the money i have in my bank i don't see that i don't have that in my hand i and i would have to you know it's the bank is closed like how could i go get my money i would have to go there and depending on how much i wanted to pull out i would probably have like i would probably have like some government flag on on me for trying mm -hmm. to get my own money like which is my money my possession but mm -hmm. um in the crypto world like there isn't that middleman there isn't that watchdog like it's mine and it's nobody's business as it should be right you don't have to you can send as much as you want or as little as you want and guess what you don't have to ask anybody's permission that's why it's so popular these days in uh third and second world countries especially ones who come over here they come to the united states work and then they used to have to wire money back to their families mm -hmm. and their families had to find mm -hmm. banks out in their African villages and stuff. I mean, imagine like the hassle these people have. Well, guess what? I don't know if you realize, but in the deepest, darkest jungles these days, everyone has cell phones. It's the, it's the wildest thing, you know, people. Yeah. No matter where you go in the world, people have cell phones and guess what? If you can have a cell phone, you can have access to, you know, to network services and cryptocurrencies. And that's what these people have. So they go around the world, they go to the United States and other places, and they work, and they instantaneously, bam, send money home to their families. Yeah. So then you have these these communities all around the world who are, guess what? They're exchanging crypto among each other. You have businesses accepting them. You have you have utilities in places, you know, cell phone companies accepting crypto for payments, power wow. companies accepting crypto for payments, you know, because it just makes so much sense. And they don't have all the other infrastructure that we do that we have here and that's a good thing you know that they're not at the mercy of banks all the time or yeah or, or other things you know their money is between them and their uh, their phone yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. and i suppose like you know something wonderful again that we love uh, the nature of free markets is that like when they are free enough like that efficiency is sort of selected for and it's just the innovation, of course, is also just ongoing. It never ends, and there's no like central planning of it. It it's just what is needed. Somebody's going to figure it out if the pro if the problem arises, like the solution will too. And so, um, you know, here we here I am, and you know, Jesse mentioned the zombie apocalypse, and um, you know, just like depending on what kind of like actual, um, like the dollar collapsing or something, like you know, Rome as an empire collapsed and like the world still continued. And so, yes, like the power structure fell and um, it might've been a little bit uh, tumultuous for a while. And people were, had to be more self-reliant than ever probably, um, which is a good thing, you know, it's what we want. Um, but still, uh, it's, you know, it, it kind of um, makes me freak out a little bit less that, um, there are people that would be solving those problems because, I mean, who wouldn't want to get back online to figure out, like, where their money is? And, again, like, completely not relying on the banks or the government structures or anything like that. But um, something that, like, 
could be utilized to, you know, pay people for things that they need, good services, and, um, you know, not necessarily in person. Um, could be across long right. distances, which, you know, might very well happen, especially... Especially, who knows, you know, our uh, our network of folks and like-minded people were not very congregated, unfortunately. And, um, you know, maybe some, one positive thing from the past, uh, you know, few years of absolute um, craziness, like people like you, Ryan, I know like you and Cam both happen to move to Florida. Like there's a ton of people moving to Florida right now. Mm-hmm. I think Florida is going to be a freer thinking place um for example uh, you know um and so we just got to kind of keep our eyes on all of that and um where people Amen. are going and and where um where we can find good people who um you know are in line with us well i would love if more and more good people come here hopefully they can yeah. uh yeah freak out the yucky people and uh yeah yes <laughs> that's the plan every time the yeah. news says People in Florida, they're dying in droves. You know, people are, are miserable and begging the federal government to save them. It's like, I mean, obviously, it's nothing like that here. People yeah. are just living their lives and doing their thing. It's all just the media mm-hmm. completely making up stories. But when I read those things, I go, good. Hopefully, all the blue blood weirdos read that stuff and they just and they go, oh, I'm never going to Florida. I'm going to go to Texas instead, you know, or something, <laughs> you know, and, and leave us or, alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah or even just like the slightly less blue version of their state <laughs> like or you know uh all the people moving and kind of turning mm-hmm. arizona blue from yep, yep. california um which of course our friend phil does not like um <laughs> so i guess we're kind of um coming to the edge of time um jesse do you have anything else you wanted to ask ryan while we have him no i think you guys covered it pretty much i'm I don't know much about uh, any of this stuff, so. It's been very educational. Yes. (laughs) I have these questions all the time, so it's nice to have a a specific person within our network even to to ask about it. Well, just just remember that there are people in the crypto space solving problems that you can't even imagine. So many problems that nobody has has ever thought about even being a problem. But there's people who are working in that free market to solve those issues before mm-hmm. anybody even thinks of that stuff. That's Good. what's so cool. And that's why the governments are having such a hard time keeping up with them. Good. Because they're always a hundred steps ahead of the government. <laughs> government's still yeah. fixating on Bitcoin. I mean, that's enough to tell you how far behind they are on this stuff. Like they have no idea. There's it's yeah. But that's what true freedom does. It can't just be. It's never easy to actually rein in real freedom. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can't actually be contained as hard as they try. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, um, Ryan, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter, I'm Technoagorist, all one word. Uh, the website for the podcast is technoagorist.com, all one word as well. And yeah, I mean, I'm also on Odyssey and Facebook and wherever, but the place I am most active is Technoagorist is Twitter. Yep. Um, and again, anybody listening, um, generally you guys know where to find us if you're listening, period, right now. Um, we're most active on Instagram. Jesse, I don't know. I feel a little bit of relief on that shadow ban. How about you? <laughs> I don't know yet. Well, I haven't really tested the waters yet, I, um, but we are... We do have a backup account called Girl Foxes Who Nap. It's all one word. So <laughs> if, you know, if you follow both of uh, both on both of those accounts, you'll get everything you need from us cuz we're we're pretty much meme queens at this point. <laughs> meme queens. Um, it will help your mental health for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's part of what we're here to do. Uh <laughs> and um we're also on Twitter, uh Vixens Voluntary. Um we have a Patreon, um vixens underscore voluntary uh and then let's uh do a significant shout out to uh the fact that screw youtube like you can find us there but it's not worth it considering they'll probably take us down if they don't like anything that we say which is probably a thing um you know i'm sure we're on next soon on the chopping block just because we have the wrong covid opinions um among our political (laughs) our radical political beliefs right um, but so yeah, you can uh, find us on Odyssey, um, 
I noticed like all our episodes are there. And as they've become more and more recent episodes, I see more and more views on there. So that's pretty awesome. And um, yeah, I mean, if you're if if you're routinely on Odyssey already, um, consider adding us to uh, your queue there. Um, yeah. Well, again, Ryan, thank you. I'm glad uh, your internet in the middle of the woods was uh, sufficiently functioning for you to join us. Um. <laughs> Just barely. But thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, absolutely. Keep us posted on those Gator videos if you, uh, you set up that camera. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, everybody. Thanks again. And um, we'll talk to you next time. But in the meantime, keep it sane, keep it peaceful, and keep it voluntary. Oh, no, 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 no.